The gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1631. Glory to you, Lord. St. Luke 19, verses 28 through 40. Now, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Now untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why? Are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the crowd, the whole crowd of disciples, began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all of the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I heard a story on the radio from a pastor telling about another pastor, a senior pastor, that was on a trip. And he had just landed at the airport and he was being picked up by a young intern pastor, a pastor that was being trained, had gone through seminary and and now was having experience in the field, if you will. Now, the senior pastor that had come here had admitted openly to his congregation over the years, and his family certainly knew, that he was an angry driver. Road rage. He had a real problem. Not with his driving, of course, but with everyone else's. So he gets to the airport, and the young pastor picks him up, and they are driving, and they merge onto the 405. And as they're going along, a car comes along the side of them and cuts them off. 
Immediately, the senior pastor felt this boiling up, and he was about to let go a filth and foul, foul, filth. But before he could, the young pastor said, oh, Lord, we need to pray for that driver. He must be in a really big hurry. Something must be going on in his life. Let's pray now for him. Let's pray that he gets to where he's going safe, that the drivers around him are safe, and that whatever is troubling him will be taken care of by the Lord. The senior pastor shrunk. And he was convicted. He knew that right then and there, that it's not what is outside of a man that makes him unclean, but what is on the inside that it makes him unclean. And he was convicted right there that that was an opportunity that God had given him and that young man to pray, a trial to pray. In all things, give thanks. And all of a sudden in his mind is coming across all of the minor offenses of people around him in their vehicles that he had not blessed them, but cursed them. He had the ability to pray and he had the ability to bless, but he didn't. There's a sin of omission. You know, in our beginning here, we we confess that we say, most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. Remember that? And we go further to say, we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and in deed. By what we have done, and by what we left undone. Sins of omission. I started thinking about that today because I need Jesus. Though I am wearing a stole and though I have gone through the education process to prove that uh, I'm worthy, if not educated enough, to be a pastor. I'm a sinner just like you in need of a Savior. Amen? Yeah, you got that right, Pastor. Yeah, amen. Who praying for you. Well, I need it. Thank you. I need it. Because when I drive, David will tell you that on the way to Christian school every morning, we go with days that I haven't lost my temper, right? How many days have I have in a row? I have one. I had a, I had a one in a row, didn't I? But I think we're starting at zero on Monday, right? Yeah, the big zero. These complications are an opportunity for me to bless, not curse. How about you? How are you doing? Well, I don't drive that way, Pastor Ken. Okay, I got it. Are there any other sins of omission that uh, you may have committed? Well, what's a sin of omission, Pastor? Tell me that. Well, Paul in Romans, in Romans 7, 19, when he writes to them, he says, For I do not do the good that I want. He knows what he should do, and he doesn't do it. Sin of omission. Anyone have a 
position where uh, they're driving regularly on a, on a day and it comes in where there's a merge and they get right all the way back there. They know that it's coming up and they get there and then right before the last minute, there's somebody that comes in. Do you let them in with a smile? Huh? By the way, that's not the only sin that I struggle with, but that's the only one I'm going to admit to you right now. James also said this, James the brother of Jesus, he says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Think about that. Proverbs 21.13, if a man shuts his ears to the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Am I striking any kind of chords here with you? You don't have to say, oh, you know, I don't need a list. We need Jesus, Right? Even for these things, these sins that don't even really seem to be that big a deal. I mean, okay, so I didn't do it, you know? Sue me. That's a joke. I mean, it's obvious when we commit a sin, but maybe when we don't do a sin. How about this? I, uh, I spend a little too much time on Facebook. It's fascinating to me. There's a group of pastors that only pastors are supposed to belong to. And so pastors, you know, they're supposed to be, you know, uh, well, they're not above it because they're sinners in need of a Savior. Here's the recent argument that I tell you what had people leaving the group. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. You know what it was about? It was about the colors of Advent. Purple. No, blue. What? These guys are fighting over purple and blue. They really meant it. And I'm going, <laughs> and I was looking for a way to stir the pot. You know, I didn't come up with it. I'm not that great of a theologian. Purple and blue. Why do we have purple and blue? Well, there was a robe that was put on our Savior after they made that crown of thorns, and they whacked it into his head, right? And they, and they put a purple robe on him, mocking him. Purple's the color of royalty, is it not? And then there's blue. Well, blue is the heaven, the color of the sky, the color of... of and so these, these great minds <coughs> were fighting on Facebook over color. In need of a savior. They knew better. Those guys know where Proverbs are. They know who James, the brother of Jesus, was. They know who Paul, writing to the Romans, was. And yet and still, their pride allowed them to get carried away, cause ill feelings, and just absolutely blow it for all who were watching. Oh, those that are watching. Yesterday, in tears here, we said goodbye until we meet again to her daddy, John Sconson. 
and it was a, a wonderful celebration of his life. And what I found as a pastor to be so warm and beautiful and, and, and expansion of my heart was how deep the faith is throughout your family. Derek, they came and spoke eloquently from the heart about their faith. And they pointed to your mom and your dad, Leona and John, for introducing them to Jesus. They, they were pointed towards Jesus. They were loved no matter where they were at. And sometimes they were pushed. Danny said, sometimes grandpa dragged me to church. But he has a faith. They modeled Christ and his love. They modeled the nature of the Heavenly Father. One brother was, uh, grandson rather, was talking about how he would hold the flashlight for Grandpa. And that he felt that Grandpa had been holding the flashlight for him and guiding him too. Your nephew. It was beautiful. Grandpa you could go to and he could hear the car driving up and with his ear he could tell you what was wrong with the car. Grandpa also couldn't find the screwdrivers. But they were in his back pocket or one of his grandson's back pocket. John wasn't perfect, but one of his grandsons says he was pretty close. He did not omit his responsibility to point his family to Jesus. Now think about your own family and your own children. Are they walking with the Lord? Now John's grandchildren haven't always been, had perfect attendance at church, and they admitted that. But yesterday, when they were here in church, this was their church that their grandma and grandpa brought them to. And this church has memories. And though they didn't want to be here, they knew it was important to grandma and grandpa, so they came. Now, were I to be able to talk to John and Leona now, I said, during the time, did you ever kind of throw your hands up and say, they're just not getting it? And they might have said, yeah. And during that time, would you ever question, why am I even bringing them here? I mean, I know why, but Lord, it's not working, you know, and praying and beseeching, Lord, 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 turn them away from the path that they're going. They know better. They're baptized, they're yours, they're written in the book, but Daddy, they're <laughs> help. And he'd probably say, yeah, yeah, I felt that way a lot. Well, guess what? His persistence, his faith, God honored that, and we got to see their faith at work yesterday as they paid tribute to their grandpa and their, fa their father and their grandmother. So I would ask you to talk to God. How, how, am I omitting some of my uh, responsibilities in pointing people to Jesus? And what do I do 
I mean, some of our kids are too old to drag to church. But you can pray for them. And you can enlist prayer warriors, too. What other things are going on in your world right now that you need help? Maybe you're not comfortable having it on the prayer list, but come talk to me. I'll pray for you. And I'll enlist other people who will pray for you anonymously. It matters. Are you omitting that part? Now, why would we come to church? Well, today, there is some astounding, astounding scripture that we read. Jeremiah, long before Jesus was born, Jeremiah, the prophet, talks about a prophecy. And he says, the days are coming, declares the Lord. He spoke to Jeremiah. When I will fulfill God's promise and may, that I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days, at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. Who in the world could that be? Jesus. The right answer every time in Sunday school. Don't know what it is? Say Jesus. Right? Can't go wrong. Well, let's think about that for a little minute. He makes this promise. He says, the descendant, he will be a descendant of David. I wrote in my notes, Dave. Hey, Dave. Man after God's own heart. The Messiah will be a descendant of David. Now, in order for him to be a descendant of David, number one, he has to be a human, right? Right? David was a human. And he has to be a Jew, right? But he also makes the, the promise here that he will rule eternally. How can somebody rule eternally? Well, in order to rule eternally, he must be, number one, more than human. How is that possible? A human, a Jew, is going to be more than human. No wonder the people didn't listen to that sign. Just like the sign down there, December 17th and 18th, Magnolia and off-ramp will be closed. Don't go down there because they won't let you off or on. There's a sign. In Scripture, in Jeremiah, hundreds of years before Jesus. Long time ago for us. What's the other promise? In order for him to have eternal rule, he must be God. Uh-oh, that's never going to happen. The sprout from David's line not only is going to be uh, a king and have eternal rule, he's also going to be a priest. How in the world can that be? Priests don't last forever. Priests, well, they serve until they're dead. How can that be? He's got to be God. Well, if he's a priest, can he be from an earthly priest like the Levites? Wasn't that the promise? Yes, it was, Pastor. That was the promise, but he couldn't be. He had to be from a priesthood that is unblemished. And so there we hear another promise from David in Psalm 110. And it says, you are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. And that priest in the line of Melchizedek offered a sacrifice. That priest, Jesus Christ, who came, offered 
a sacrifice. That's what priests do for the people's sin. The priest would take those unblemished animals and he'd slice and dice them. And he'd sprinkle blood all over the place. But the difference between those priests and the forever priests that we have in Jesus Christ is that he offered himself. And therefore he was crowned the Lord of righteousness. Our priest in Jesus has the authority and the power to save. He sealed this. He wrote this in his own blood. He is the atoning sacrifice, not just for your sins and my sins, but for the sins of the world that whosoever should believe. Well, that's good news. That's why we come to church to hear this good news, this old prophet prophecy that has come true how about today did anyone grow up watching monday night football i know for some of you that was a relatively new thing but um monday night football howard cosell right howard cosell and he's calling the plays well listen today jesus says to his guys and when he said these things he says he drew them near Beth, Bethany, Mount of Olives. He says, all right, guys, I'm going to paraphrase. Go to the village. There's going to be a cult. I want you to untie the cult. And somebody comes up to you and says, what are you doing? Tell them the Lord needs it. Bob, I want you to go down the street. There's going to be a 1968 GTO. The keys are going to be in it. Yeah, I want you to get in there, start it up, and drive it back here. And if anyone asks, say, hey, uh, the Lord needs it, right? I mean... Okay. Grand theft. But it happened exactly as Jesus said it would. Imagine that. Now, Colt, nobody has ever ridden that, right? That's, that's what it had to be. And they bring it back. And they put their cloaks on. And he rides it into town. And this is why they didn't think he was the Messiah, because if you rode, you were a king in your ordination, you rode a, a colt, you were coming in peace. And those people at the time looking around going, look at all of these Romans. Man, it was better when there weren't any Romans around here. We could do what we wanted. We didn't have to render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Didn't have people pinned to a cross on the way in here. This guy can't be the Messiah. He's on a colt. Our Messiah is going to be on a raging war horse, a white horse, and he's going to vanquish us. But Jesus didn't come that way. Still, as we see the prophecy through Jeremiah and we see Jesus and we celebrate this in this walk of Advent to the birth of Jesus Christ, we see these promises being fulfilled Just a sinner in need of a Savior. Just a sinner who's benefited by what the Lord has done. Just a sinner who benefits through baptism of being clothed in Christ. Clothed in Christ. Just a sinner that is going to partake in the feast to come. Just a sinner 
that needs a forever priest. Just a sinner that needs a forever king. Just a sinner that needs a loving father. And in the person of Jesus, we have him. That need of that sinner is fulfilled. For you, for your children, for your neighbor. Invite them. Tell them, come and see. Come and taste where the hope is. In the name of Jesus, amen.